You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Birthday Party by Story by Corey on AO3. Rating Explicit. He leaves the front door unlocked. No reason to lock it these days anyway. Weeks go by with no visitors this far from the city. But old habits die hard. You can never be too careful. Blah, blah, blah. Paranoia and overused cliches still run his life, even now. Doesn't matter how many years go by or how many miles distance he puts between himself and the rest of humanity. But he leaves the door unlocked tonight. It's 11 before he unfolds his body from its position in front of the screen. 11.15 before his clothes take up residence on the floor and his body relaxes beneath the sheets. He washed them this morning. The sheets. It's the least he could do. It's probably been a year since he's done that. In fact, it's for sure been a year to the day. He tries to sleep. He can't. Most nights at this time, he's knee-deep, arguing conspiracy theories via the ferocious tap-tap-tapping of his keyboard until the wee hours of morning. Most nights, he doesn't use this bed at all. His usual sleep is intermittent and slumped in a rolling chair. Disrupted every few minutes by the alert of someone miles away tap-tap-tapping on their keyboard as well. Tonight, though, instead of peeling his ears for a message board ding, he's peeling them for the telltale creak of the second patio step, the one he promised to fix at least five years ago. He's peeling them for the clunk of the screen door as it closes too hard, even though he's adjusted the spring at least a dozen times. He's peeling them for the soft sniffle of a nose that's been fighting tears for hours, probably days, a nose he's known and loved for over 20 years. It's 12.15 when the porch step creaks, 12.16 when the screen door clunks. He feels everything. He feels nothing. He's probably not even capable of emotion this many years deep into the game. But she, she'll fix that, for tonight anyway. By 12.17, her silhouette darkens the doorway to the bedroom. Sad sniffle there, too. It's been a solid year since she stood there. She hesitates, body swaying. He wants to call to her, but doesn't. Mulder, she finally whispers. A question. As though he wouldn't already be awake. As though he hasn't been looking forward to this moment. Dreading this moment. Scared to death of this moment for weeks. He folds down the bed sheets and motions for her to climb in. Her side. It's still her side. It'll always be her side. I didn't plan to come, she says, still standing in the doorway. Really, it wasn't something I... Scully, he reprimands. Come. Her overcoat gets folded over the back of the chair, just as it would have been in the past, those late nights home from the hospital, not quite making it onto the hook in the closet. Shoes paired by the floor by the door. She climbs into the bed, clothes and all. She's still at first. Sniff. The internal battle almost audible in the quiet of the night. She's pretending she's not here for a reason. He understands this. The first couple years, he fought that battle too. He gives her a moment. Allows her the fight. He spent close to an hour this morning tracing a fingertip around the worn and faded outline of chubby baby cheeks a bald baby head. But she's spent at least 15 years tracing fingertips over stretch marks at her hips, passing Mother's Day cards in the drugstore each time she needs to buy aspirin. 
This is for her more than him. They both know this. He reaches finally, pulls her to his chest, her battle lost. She breaks into sobs, low ones, desperate ones. Her tears soak his chest, and those emotions he couldn't quite reach just moments ago are suddenly there too, overflowing. He clutches her against him, surrounding her small little body with his, and cries as well. For William, for her, for the mess his whole damn life has become. The pain is hollow, an empty, aching hole that nothing can fill. They've tried, though, for years to fill it. They failed. It's something they don't talk about. Something only acknowledged like this, silently, indirectly, and precisely once a year. For him, it's awful, but for her, it's worse, much worse. He can't even begin to imagine. She reaches the stage of grief where her body grows limp, where her sobs are wet, muffled hitches against his chest. Her hair is longer than it was last year, and he pets it, twines the strands through his fingers and kisses the damp tendrils at her temples. She feels like home in his arms, and he hates that, that this day in particular is the only day in a year he can feel that, that his home will never feel like a home unless she's here. His kisses, like they sometimes do, trail from her temples down to her cheeks. They brush across her eyelids. She tastes like salt, and it's a horrible welcoming thing to discover. When he reaches her mouth, she doesn't stop him. Last year, she did. He feels lucky tonight, disturbing as that is. Instead, she digs her fingers into his ribs and lifts her chin in invitation. When he presses, her lips fall open, and the kisses they share are desperate, wet, snotty, wonderful things. He forgets what it's like to feel sometimes, to have emotions. With Scully, it all comes back, though. The sadness, the desperation, the urgency, the love. She gasps when his lips reach that spot below her ear and it makes him dizzy. Her shirt comes off easily, her bra as well. His teeth scrape their way down the column of her throat. Mulder, she urges. God, Mulder. He nuzzles her pulse points, breathes in her perfume. It's not one he recognizes, and he wonders for a moment whether she's been with anyone else this year, whether another man knows this scent. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters right now but her. She reaches for his head, threads manicured nails through his graying hair, and tugs him towards her breast. He latches onto a nipple, suckles there the way he knows she wants him to. Her breasts ache each year on this day. The tears roll down her cheeks. Yet she arches her back in pleasure, urges him on with whimpers and small, satisfied sighs. When he moves to the other breast, she drags his hand up, encourages him to play with her slick, abandoned nipples with his fingers. His dick is hard, and he grinds it against the mattress. Soon she's tugging him back, though, sliding her tongue into his mouth and kissing him desperately, almost painfully. Her tears wet his cheeks, and her nails dig into his shoulders. She needs more. He knows this, knows everything about her, yet nothing at all. Half their lives they've been intertwined, yet she's still a complete mystery to him, now even more so. Her body, though, her body he knows, her body he's somehow always known. More. He reaches to fumble with the fastenings on her trousers, slips a hand beneath the satin to find her slick and wet. She moans, canting her hips to meet him. Scully, she's still Scully there still fits into the curve of his hand, the way she's done from the very beginning. Doesn't matter that her hair's longer, that she's wearing a new perfume. 
She still rocks against him the very same way, still whines in the back of her throat with each dip of his fingers, still grips his neck and squeezes her eyes shut, still is the woman he loves, has loved since the moment she walked into his life. Doesn't matter that she's since walked back out. It doesn't. She's sobbing again, soft, desperate cries pressed into the crook of his neck, coupled with moans of pleasure and gasps of his name. The dichotomy of it all is almost more than he can take, and he shoves down her pants, shoves his boxers down as well. Together they fumble to slide him in. Together they cry out in relief. Together they sing Happy Birthday, William, with bodies instead of with voices. It's sad and it's perverse, but it's the only way they know to celebrate this sort of thing. It's the only way that's ever felt even close to right. She weeps as she comes, chants, Mulder, Mulder, Mulder. And for a moment, he allows himself to believe she's weeping for the loss of him. She's not, though. He knows this. She chooses her losses. But his is not one that haunts her each year on this day. It's not the one she wishes she could take back every second of her life. He grips her ass and he pounds, expends probably more energy than he has in months, gives it all to her, sobs as well, but clenches his teeth to keep her name inside. It's a moment of cruelty keeping that from her, but sometimes love is cruel. Dear God, but he knows that too. They hold each other afterwards, just for a short while. He wants her to stay. He wants her to go. He doesn't know what he wants. He's forgotten how emotions work once again. Her cries soften until all that remains are quiet sniffles. He trained his ears for an hour ago. By 1.56, she's out of the bed. By 2.02, she's fully dressed and on her way to the door. I'm sorry, she says softly, looking back at him from the doorway. Really, I hadn't planned. She doesn't finish her statement, just gives him a sad look, then slips away. At 2.04, the screen door clunks. 2.05, the porch step creaks. He wonders how long her hair will be next time he sees her, whether his own temples will be closer to white. He rises, watches from the window as she drives away. He locks the front door behind her. It's stupid. No reason to lock it these days. But he locks the door and heads back into his office. There are bound to be messages he's missed. If you like this story and would like to contribute... You can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>